Hey friends, are you unsure of what to say on social media or what to even send in your weekly emails? Well, what if creating content could be easy? Would you be looking for a shortcut to creating consistent content? Yes, consistent content, because you know consistency is key. Well, let me tell you, you are not alone when you feel like you're struggling on what to post or what to write in emails. And we know that you have that product part of your business down. But as you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know that to get more people to your products, to buy your products, you need to create great content. Oh, I know. I see. I keep saying content and that's the dreaded C word. And we can't tell you how many product bosses tell us that they want to create great content for their audience and their customers, but they don't know what to say, or they are so busy. They can't find the time, or they really, really, really don't want to be the face of their brand. Well, no worries, because that's exactly why we created a year of content. It is your shortcut to creating consistent content that resonates with your audience and brings more loyal customers who can't wait to buy your products. If you want to see how easy this is and how easy it is to create content for your audience and your customers, head to www.ayearofcontent.com. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlositev, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. In introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder, she has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my awesome co-host, Mina Kolosita. Hello, Jacqueline. (laughs) Say it fast. (laughs) Singing songy intro now. We're in that mood of sing songy because we're you'll start to hear it after maybe you'll have already heard. No, no, not at this episode. But we're redoing the intro and the art for our podcast. And it's something that's really, really exciting. Um, And I think that every, even product boss should think about how their business is going to change and evolve, which brings us to this episode because we are reintroducing ourselves on this episode because a lot has changed since the last time you probably heard from us and, you know. um, (laughs) Since last week. Yeah, since last week. A lot has changed as far as us (laughs) as who we are, as well as telling our own stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we first kicked off the Product Boss podcast back in January of 2018, so we are how many years? 18, 19, 20. I mean, whenever you're listening to this, year. you do your own math, listener. You do, you do <laughs> but when we did start back in the day, I think it was like episode two and three, basically. Um, we um, we that, interviewed each other. Yeah. We were like, hey, this is us. You don't know who we are and we're going to tell you all about us. And unless you all have scrolled back 300 plus episodes um, and listened to those episodes, either maybe some new friends here, there may be people here that don't know who we are and maybe what our history is and our background. And so we wanted to interview each other again a bit and, um, and kind of reintroduce ourselves to our new listeners, remind all of you where we've come from. And so that you can just kind of see, you know, that this is a journey and we grow and change and Mina and I have done a lot of stuff. So yeah, 
Plus, I do think that people should reintroduce themselves often. Even you Mm -hmm. as product bosses, you know, do your family members still know what you're doing? Do your friends, do your customers? You should always be reintroducing yourself to reinforce the story of your brand, your product, talking about certain things. And, um, And it is literally just a practice. It feels really weird at first, but I mean, you just get used to it kind of. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we're going to first talk about our business journeys. So take you along a little bit on who we are, where we started and, you know, just our journey to, I guess, today. So hi, I'm Jacqueline. And so I have my bachelor's in fine arts um, from Otis College of Art and Design as a fashion major, fashion designer. So um, I have a BFA, which I'm proud to say. And, you know, when I first went to school, I went to UC Santa Barbara and I went there because I did really well in school. And back, you know, back in the 90s, um, it wasn't about pursuing art, right? Like that wasn't the thing that, at least where I was, um, being pushed. It wasn't about the creativity or creative businesses. It was about, you know, going to college, getting your degree, and what kind of job could you get? So I, I just did the traditional route where I went to college. And after my first year in school, um, I just was like, you know, this isn't fitting. I don't know what I want to major in. I loved a whole bunch of things that were happening at UCSB. I kept thinking, can I minor in art? And what will I do with a minor in art? And everyone kept saying, well, Gwyneth Paltrow graduated UCSB with a, with a major in art. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) If it's good enough for Gwen, (laughs) do I go that route? I mean, you know, but, um, so I, I decided I had found out about this other school and I transferred and um, started over and got my four, it was in school for four years and top of my class in fashion design. And then I was hired right out of school during portfolio day, which I was really lucky. Um, I always, had, I was, you know, top of my class there, got awards and all the things. Um, and I was hired out of school to go work for Cosa Bella, which if any of you know that company, it's an Italian lingerie brand. Um, they're based out of, Miami, Florida, and but they're Italian, and all the manufacturing happens in Italy. And I had to create this amazing portfolio. Um, they gave me a they gave me a um, a project. I did design for them lingerie, and I had to design for them swimwear. And so I did that right after I graduated, and um, I got hired basically immediately. And they moved me to Florida. Fashion designer Jacqueline, baby little designer, did not know I was going to end up in South Florida. I thought New York or LA, but I was in South Florida and I got there and I was like, and they were like, okay, well, you're designing our new swimwear collection, Costa Bella Mare. You're handling all of the ready to wear. You're handling all of the PJs. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, I thought I was an assistant designer, but okay. I always wanted to have my own clothing line and I always wanted the responsibility of it. So at this huge company, I was given this ability to really take a lot of responsibilities. I think they were like a 20 to $30 million company. They were selling to Neiman Marcus. They were dressing Sarah Jessica Parker and celebrities, Paris Hilton. What's her name? Jessica Simpson was huge back then. And I was just so lucky to have all of this. And, but I was scouted from working with them to work for a celebrity line. Um, so I actually moved back to LA and I designed, I'll actually just say it cause it's in the news. Anyways, um, I designed for Jamie Presley, who's an actress. She was on, my name is Earl back then. And, um, she brought me in and I was like 25 and designing her entire collection. And we were doing runway shows all over the country. Robin Thicke performed at one of our shows. We were on The View and um, the Tyra Banks show. And I just had all of these incredible opportunities as a young person and as a designer that looked different than what I expected in my life. 
but I was given these abilities and I was able to use my talent and design. And when I decided to leave Jamie, I started my own company, which was Designer Consulting Co-op. I still have to this day. And that's where I've helped launch over 1,000 startup fashion apparel and accessory brands. So I had done this for Jamie. I had kind of launched it out of nothing. I was really, you know, they always tell you you just have to be like one step ahead of someone else. And I don't know, the entrepreneurial side of me decided, okay, I can help people. Um, I had a partner at the time. It was her idea because she was 10 years older than me and more advanced. And then she ended up leaving the company. Um, She was like, she had her own business. She had her second kid coming and she's like, I can't do this. So I ended up taking the clients that we started it with and continuing it. And it's like 14 years later, still have that business really well known in the LA fashion industry. And I basically just learned as I went and I've built brands. I've always <laughs> built like 999 more clothing lines than most people. And I took all of those opportunities I was given as like a really young age and like the entrepreneur spirit and the ability to just kind of do things, even if it felt like it was above what I knew and have launched some amazing brands as clients for me at Designer Consulting Co-op. So basically during the fact of, um, or during this time of starting other people's lines, I always had ideas. And so I started my own accessories brand called Cuffs Couture. And I ran that for about five years. I sold globally. There were a lot of celebrities that wore my line. I, I worked with a publicist. So Kim Kardashian, Carrie Underwood, um, Carly Rae Jepsen, Bella Thorne, um, just a ton of different celebrities. And like, I had really amazing placements. We were in In Touch Magazine and different, different types of magazines and I sold wholesale. And so while I was helping other people build their brands, I also was building my own accessories brand that did really well. And I was really fortunate for all of the things that happened. And, and what led me to meeting Mina was when I decided that I was going to close down Cuffs Couture. I mean, get into that story another time. Yeah. So with my background, I was, let me think, um, I went to school at Iowa State University for advertising. Now I loved advertising. Actually, it was, if for all of you back then, you know, the movie Boomerang, it changed everybody's lives, I think, to want to be in advertising. And, but the thing I loved with advertising when I realized was, um, the fact that I was in the journalism school. So at Iowa State, I was in the journalism school. So I learned about media law. I was really excellent at that class. And everybody talked about how that class was really hard, right? You learned about media law. And I learned about, um, I also ended up minoring in psychology because I realized I loved the thought behind marketing, not the advertising and pitching, but the thought that goes into how something is marketed. So I ended up really diving into that. And it was in a journalism school. And back then there were tests that you could take that you could opt out of classes as long as you sc- uh, scored high enough. So I ended up graduating in three years with my undergrad and then went into get my MBA. I took a year off and then I got my MBA after you know, another three years, essentially. So I've really loved school. I've always been raised with the belief of traditional school. And so that's what I did. I just like Jacqueline with the traditional route of going from undergrad to grad school. And during that time, I worked for a mom and pop shop um, during the time of my night classes. And when I was getting my MBA at Drake University, which is a private school. And um, it was a mom and pop shop that niched down and did direct mail for 
wedding professionals. So disc jockeys, that sort of thing. And so I literally ran that business for them. They would leave, literally leave for weeks at a time. They would go to different trade shows, you know, wedding trade shows. This is where I learned about trade shows, a lot of it too. They would leave sometimes for church events. They would just always be gone. And I literally was their only employee and I would run that business. And it was a really big business as well. And so when I graduated my MBA, it was the first realization that I had that I don't actually have to work for anybody. I can work for myself. And so that was back in 2003, 2004, I mean, when I started doing my own thing, but it was never something that I set out to do. I never really thought of myself as an entrepreneur, but at that time I was doing project management for that business. And I was still also doing like overflow stuff like graphic design and all those things. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to start doing graphic design for people. So I started doing graphic design for people. It was just like, oh, I'll just do it until I can get a corporate job. And one thing led to another and I ended up getting a roster of clients doing graphic design. And my clients just kept getting bigger. And this was just kind of like unbeknownst to me, (laughs) really, right? Like I'm just moving along and thinking like, okay, I'm just going to do all this stuff. But there was a different path for me. I didn't realize, you know? And so then the recession hit in 2008 and there was a whole bunch of people getting laid off, graphic designers, agencies, that sort of thing. And I ended up picking up a lot of clients like car dealerships, property management companies, and um, banks because I was able to take... They laid off the people if you remember back then. And I had a whole bunch of experience by that time because I'm four years deep now, right? And so then um, I ended up getting a roster of of clients and I kept working at it. And I will tell you, I'm a self-taught graphic designer and I was definitely not the most talented person, but I was definitely the most savvy and teamwork-based person. So I always knew that I could do it because I was project-based and I knew how to go to the printer. I knew how things printed. I knew how to work with different VPs and I knew how to work with different boards. And I was just the biggest team player because I knew that I wasn't that talented. Like I didn't have, I I self-taught myself back then. I was page maker. And then, you know, then it became InDesign and all those things. So I really grew that. And then, but I was doing a lot of things. So one of my friends and I, we started a scrapbooking event and clothing business that was like, we literally would just take blank apparel, like hoodies and that sort of thing. And we would have things embroidered or screen printed on them, like love to crop or, you know, I I think for all of you that are scrapbookers, you know how big this got, right? And we would travel to different trade shows and sell those things. And we created an event that we could sell those sweatshirts and everything to our own base of people. We would bring them in person. We would sell to them. We were the only booth that was there and we'd give them food and we'd be like a 12 hour day. And so they would pay $50 a pop to come scrapbook with us. And then we would you know, tried to sell them sweatshirts and t-shirts. And so it was so much fun. I will tell you that it was a crazy amount of fun being in the vibe of trade shows, being in event planning and all that stuff. But she ended up leaving after two years and I ended up just taking it over by myself for the next five years. And during that time, the city of Ankeny where I live also saw I was doing all these events. So they approached me and asked me, will you do events for us where you get a budget and you uh, we pay you the budget and then you um, make this event for little girls? So I came up with these different ideas like Glitterazzi was one of them. And it was based around, you know, princesses, um, the, like um, Air, the Frozen, oh my gosh, Elsa, 
She came to sing dressed up and all these really creative things. And I just fell in love with that aspect of it too. So as an entrepreneur, I kept just doing all these things. And during that time, my husband was very stable. He got his uh, doctorate of pharmacy, was a pharmacist. So I got to play around with all these different things that I wanted wanted to do. I actually wrote a book about how to plan a wedding. I did events. I actually was a real estate agent for a year. I did graphic design. I... I did a lot of different things and I was really multi-passionate about being creative with how I could make money. And then in 2014, my husband saw this one, and this is when I was pregnant with my second child. 2014, my husband saw this course of how to learn Amazon and it was called private labeling. And he's like, you could actually do this. The idea is that you import from China or India or whatever, and you put your brand around it, you design it, and then you sell it on Amazon. And I was like, I totally could do this. So I ended up creating three brands out of, you know, the air, essentially. Um, Chill Stick, Baby Binky, or no, no, no. Binky. What was the Binky? Binky Buddy, which by the way, Binky is trademark. I ended up having to pull that. And then chalk markers. And they all were successful. I ended up making money from them. But the thing is, I felt really, really concerned about sending tens of thousands of dollars to China and a wire wiring it to them and not having, not being able to control my manufacturing. So during that time, while I'm pregnant, I'm always thinking of ideas like, how can I make my own product? Because at that time I was burnt out. I knew if I was going to continue to do certain things like graphic design for these clients, I needed a way out. I also was doing overflow work for agencies. So I was going into agencies and doing graphic design work. And I was just burnt out. Like I'd be working at like one in the morning, two in the morning, that sort of thing. And so I was like, I want to get out of this. And that's when my husband had approached me for that course on Amazon. And then I liked it, but I didn't like it. And then so what ended up happening was I was getting ready for my daughter to go to daycare, my youngest daughter. And I thought, oh my gosh, they! I need to label all these bottles and her clothes. And my kids are five years apart. And I thought they still haven't created something that's really easy. And at first I was, you know, just using masking tape. I also had different labels for my older daughter that I would scratch out with my younger daughter's name because they had to be waterproof. So all these different things that I thought I need something easier. And then I realized that I actually have the know-how to create that product because I worked in commercial printing with the annual reports and I knew how to do specialized printing, specialized manufacturing. And so I thought, okay, well, what do I need to figure out? I need to research adhesive. I need to research, you know, if this can be done, I need to research being in the baby industry, all these different things. And I just figured it out. And I know that sounds insane, but it took a really, really long time. But when you're a woman who's pregnant with a baby brewing inside of you, the time, you know, it's like a ticking time bomb that's going to pop right out of you. And so that was how I came up with the idea of little labels under pressure was I solving our, my own problem. Our six-year-olds were definitely taking time bombs. <laughs> <laughs> we love them. Yeah. But they are, they were bred from this, I don't know, that year there was something in the water. Yeah. <laughs> Question for you, product boss. How much time, effort, and money do you spend promoting your business each year? Do you feel like it's paying off? Are you getting tons of visibility or do you feel like you're struggling to get more eyes on your products? This is exactly why we created the Small Business Shopping Directory. The Small Business Shopping Directory is an all-in-one place for customers to shop, discover, and support small product businesses every day. It's a place for you to be visible to new customers and get discovered. 
The Small Business Shopping Directory is the number one small product-based business directory that gets your business in front of thousands of customers who want to support and buy from small businesses just like yours. It's a perfect way to get your products in front of eager buyers this season without having to spend thousands on ads. Our goal is to get you more visibility and to get more eyes on your business. And here's the best part. We're doing this together. The directory is a way for small businesses like yours to join forces and create a big impact because customers can finally find you online and offline. They can support you with their purchasing power. It will take all of us to create this movement of supporting small and we can do it together. So are you in? We invite you to join the small business shopping directory. This is your personal invitation to get listed today. You can get up and running in just minutes. So don't wait. You can join now and get your listing by heading to shop one in five.com and click on the link to get listed. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So, you know, and actually in listening to your story, I was just thinking about my own where I also came out, I came out with two lines while I was helping other people. I came out with Lily Mark which was a 50% upcycled um, dress line. So it was really, it was a time of like people talking about eco-friendly. There was a time before where it was a weird, like it was a new yeah, buzzword. Yeah, it was novice and nobody understood it. You yeah, know? And, and people wanted to create eco-friendly and it was hard to find organic cottons and like it was just everything was new. And um, so I wanted to make basically like eco-friendly dresses that were 50% of found like Material, so you call it dead stock, and fifty percent new because as every time I tried to look at silk, like piece silk, was um, it's silk where they don't kill the silkworm, mm-hmm. so um, they, ha- they so it's like slubbed silk, it's like a, a like a slubby sort of thing, and I was like, it kind of felt I'm going to say this in the most kind and loving way, a little too like hippy dippy, like mm-hmm. it was too it was too that and not like up leveled enough. So I created Lily Mark. I sold it to a couple of boutiques, and at the same time, because you know me, I'm doing all the things. I started Cuffs Couture, which reminds me of little labels because I saw a need in the market. I was mm-hmm. young. I would dance. I didn't want to wear my purse, and I didn't know where to put anything. And I wanted, and I I'm a very minimalist in my bag. So like, I need like my credit card, you know, a lipstick, my key. I don't need a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I created Cuffs Couture, which was a wearable wrist wallet but it was very fancy. It was something that you could wear out um, and not have to bring a purse. You could go dancing. You could wear it walking your dog, but it wasn't, it wasn't athletic. It wasn't like, cause the things, the wrist wallets that were in the space were athletic or outdoorsy. Mm-hmm. And so even think Carrie Underwood wore it at the country music awards, right? So she's mm-hmm. wearing this really stage. beautiful Lux, you know, wrist wallet, essentially. I don't know if she had anything in there, but she could cash and, you know, a picture of her kids. Who knows, you know? Yeah, because when celebrities do step and repeat, so now that I've, you know, talked to you all about the celebrity I worked for, um, the, like, when we would hold their bags, you mm-hmm. know, like, when they they bring purses, they just hand it to their assistants and mm-hmm. then they do mm-hmm. their shoot. And so, yeah, so Carrie and Carrie's stylist knew that we were obsessed and, and that we really wanted. And she also wore um, our accessories on one of her music videos. So, you know, it was the, it was the same thing. There was like a need. I had a need that I wanted and I solved and it was slightly, it was inventive. Now, the reason I decided to close Cuffs Couture was one, our cell phones were getting bigger. So back in the day, there were like the Zoolander cell phones that were tiny. Mm -hmm. And then as our cell phones got bigger and turned into these like very large, like computers in our pockets, the question I kept getting from retailers was, well, where do we put the phone? 
And so I hadn't been able to figure, I would shove mine between the skin on my wrist, between that and the fabric of the, of the wallet, but I hadn't figured that out yet. And I was having a second kid. So this is all kind of aligning with when you were figuring out little labels and I was having a second kid and I had this other brand and I had this and I had my consulting company, which was so popular. And I was just like, I think I'm done with this part of the business. Like, I think I'm done with the wholesale. Um, I was doing trade shows. I was in, um, I had uh, showrooms. I had a showroom in Japan. I had a showroom in New York and I had a showroom in LA. We were doing all of the trade shows um, and I was going the very traditional route. And so, and I sold, I sold a Zulily. I sold um, to everything but water, like big, big stores and also boutiques. So we had success. And there's a time sometimes in this, as you're listening, you might think like, it doesn't mean that your businesses have to be the thing that you bring into the rest of your life, or it's a legacy or something you leave. Sometimes we come up with ideas like Mina came up with Chill Stick and mm-hmm. those other brands. She's even come up with a soap company since then. Mm-hmm. And oh, forgot those, about that one. <laughs> I have some. <laughs> But we have ideas and some of them work and some of them don't work. And there's a time where you get to choose, like, does this align with what I want to do? Do I let it go? Has time passed? Because because certain products meet needs and then eventually they don't need to meet those needs anymore. So, Mina, you and I met because, and actually it was because of Cuffs Couture. So you were already on Amazon selling Mm -hmm. little labels. Right. So I was already on Amazon. We were really successful. Um, I will tell you that our first run ended up being the wrong adhesive. I want to share this story because this is literally what stops people up sometimes. They fail really big the first time. And so what ended up happening was, um, remember, I had all those scrapbook people. So at this time, um, I had an email list of like, I don't know, let's say it was 500 people because every year I would, um, 300 people would come to these events and we did it for seven years. So I don't even know what the email list was. And this was before even email list was a thing, right? And I would email them and let them know that the doors would open if they registered the previous year, they get first dibs at that first access. I was doing all these things before I even knew what I was doing. And so what happened was when I would go to put the stuff on Amazon, Chill Sticks, Binky Baby, or Binky Buddy and Chalksters, specifically Chalksters, I would email them and say, I put this on Amazon. Will you go buy it and review it? And I'll give you a buy. I don't know if they'd buy it. They actually, I think that they would. Could you go review it? And at that time, they could review it without... We could review without... Yeah, without buying. So because they were local to me, a lot of them, they could get it from me or I could mail it to them and then they could go review it on Amazon. So during that time, I would do that every time and they were still very close to me because remember, they're seeing me every single year for seven years, once a year, and they became a tradition for them. And it was a crafting thing. Chalksters could be used for crafting. So I did that. And then when Little Labels came out, I ended up sending it in with the wrong adhesive, but I didn't know it. And it wasn't until my scrapbookers purchased and I had, they emailed me, they didn't put bad reviews up. They emailed me and let me know that they were coming off the bottles. I thought, that is so strange. Why would these come off the bottles? I've gone through all the research and through the testing and everything. And then what ended up resulting from that was I realized it was the wrong adhesive. And so I ended up having to pull all the inventory. And we're talking like 2,500 pieces of labels, which you pay to send it in, but you pay per piece to dispose of them. And then I had a choice I had to make. Am I going to go into another run and replenish and do this again? Now, remember, I didn't have any bad reviews, though. 
because they emailed me specifically through my email. So I was like, okay, well, I have this listing. Now I don't have any inventory. I'm having to dispose of all this stuff, but I still have you know, a whole bunch of reviews. I want to say it was like 300 reviews, which is really hard to get. And so I ended up re um, going back to the run, sending some uh, inventory in, and that's when we are in business. All- that's amazing. And <laughs> what's funny, the opposite. So the reason I was like, oh my goodness, I, why I contacted you. So here's the deal. We were listening to podcasts. Me and I have been listening to podcasts for several years now. I didn't know about them. I got to be honest. I think 2017 was the first year I had a client tell me, she's like, oh, you should listen to business podcasts. Business podcasts. And um, she turned me on to some of the podcasts she listened to. And that's where I started listening to. I'll shout her out. Natalie, Natalie Ekdahl of Biz Chicks podcast. And um I mean, I was obsessed with Natalie, like obsessed. Like everything mm-hmm. she said, I was like, whatever Natalie says, I will do. Yeah. And um, <laughs> she was the first podcast I listened to too in 2015. So I had been listening, but believe it or not, podcasts have been around since 2005. Isn't yeah, that I crazy? Mean, like, I yeah, but not obviously ones that we enjoyed, you know, <laughs> or that we were even tuned into. Yeah. So, um, so I'd listened and I remember listening to one episode. I was driving through like Glendale, California. I remember where I was. And, um, <laughs> Shout out Glendale. So here's, what, here's what happened when I just remember you. I know a lot of you listening to podcasts, like you, there's certain things that you'll remember location or where you are when you're hearing something when there's like a light bulb moment. So what had happened with me is I had gotten a huge order from Zulily um, for Cuffs Couture. And I had given all my fabric to my manufacturer. Bless his heart. I worked with him forever. And he actually knew me as a little kid because I my, my parents were in the industry back when I was little. And he decided to cut and sew Every, every single thing he could make out of the fabric I gave him. When my order said I only needed 2,000 of them. So he overcut and made like an additional 2,000 of them. And that's, I still, he wanted me to pay him for 2,000 extra pieces that I didn't order. And now he's cut up my fabric. Super frustrating, right? And um, so what happened is I sold on Zululi. We sold out of the 2,000 and then I have an extra 2,000. And I'm like, what do I do with this stuff? And at that point I was kind of over it. And I was like, I don't know what to do with all this extra inventory. And um, I heard Natalie on the podcast say, you know, so many of you could be coaches. Like, think about what your expertise is because Natalie speaks to service-based business. So she's like, think about your expertises and what what you could be doing with your expertise. Like, for example, Mina Kunlositap, who I, was, I think you maybe had a call with yeah, her Yeah, I once. had a strategy sessions with her. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so she's like, Mina could be an Amazon expert because she sells on Amazon as super successful with her product business. Meanwhile, Mina is like, never ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and my ears pinged up and I was like, Amazon, it was new. It was switching over from being, being books to selling a lot of stuff. And we were on, we were in a private Facebook group for that community. And I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, would you be willing to talk to, I'm a product business. Would you be willing to talk to me? I would love to talk about Amazon more. And she was so generous to give me time to jump on a call and discuss Amazon. You know, I was just a stranger. And really what I took away from Mina's call was Amazon is not a place you liquidate. It's a place that you build a brand. But really, really quick, I do want to say that now having been a coach, I would probably switch it up. The, the reason why Jacqueline didn't end up going into doing it, because I had said you know, it's not where you liquidate, it's where you build a business. But I could have told her, you can pay somebody to get you onto Amazon. It's just that she wasn't willing to put in the time to get 
the thousands of, it's a lot of work to get onto Amazon and you have to be a bit committed. And I wasn't a coach yet to be able to tell her, you can just pay somebody. Plus, I don't think people were doing that back then. They weren't paying other people to get them on Amazon. And in our course, yeah. Like in Multi Machine, we walk you step by step through it so that you can do it. Because for me, it was always like I had my sister. I paid my sister to get me on Amazon. She's mm-hmm. told me she'll never work for me ever again <laughs> because of this. <laughs> so I wasn't about to do it. Yeah. So she wasn't willing to put in the extra word at the beginning to sell that t- t- 2000 But usually you'd roll it into 2000 3000 4000 because it's a lot of work just to be able to recoup something if you plan to liquidate, you know? And so, yeah, I just wanted to say that because... It just depends on the situation. Don't take that as, you know, blanket advice. And I probably told you, like, I was over it. I was overwhelmed. I was I was pregnant having a second kid. Like, there was a lot. Or maybe I was already had a kid. She must have been born already. Yeah, she was born in 2015. So, um, so you know, it was probably just the state. And I was traveling. I was bi-coastal at that point. So I was between New York and L.A. So that was really where Mina and I met. And it was because she was generous to give me this chat for free. And then we were like, oh, you do product? Oh yeah. Can you believe this happens with product? Or, oh yeah, my inventory is delayed. Or yeah, this manufacturer did this. Or, you know, we started (laughs) basically commiserating about product-based business. And we took that off of social media onto you know, first it was Voxer, which is like a voice messaging app where we would leave each other 15 minute messages until they cut us off because we'd be driving around. This is like when we used to leave our houses. And then, and then, then we eventually ended up talking on the phone, which was really hard because we didn't know how to talk like normal people. We would talk over each other. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that's a funny story that we say we don't know how to talk to people. I rarely see people talk on the phone anymore. I don't think anybody knows how to talk to each other on the phone. You well, know, the thing is, the different generations, is right? It's it's like a walkie-talkie app. So one person mm-hmm. speaks, and then the other person listens, and then that person replies. And so when you're on a call having like a real conversation, I just remember it being like, "Wait, when do I speak?" Right? Like, mm-hmm. is she done speaking? And then, um, and then we really like we just really hit it off. Our kids were about the same age. Our little ones were. And we just, we were realizing like there's so much and I get to come to Mina to ask her questions about my product business and even my clients. And she would talk to me about the stuff she was doing. And really, and I think we can wrap it here is like the start of the product boss for all of you was I would speak a lot at the shows, like at different um, trade shows for the fashion industry. So magic, uh, magic sourcing, LA textile show. I did um, certain ones in New York and um, they had asked me to put together a panel at the LA textile show, it was in October of 2017. And we decided, I, I, we came up with this idea and we're like, hmm, what, what's our, what can we talk about? And Mina and I were talking through it and it was like, okay, I was very much, I had a background in like traditional um, commerce. So wholesale direct to consumer. And Mina at that point, it felt new was like selling on Amazon and two subscription boxes and flash deal sites, uh, flash deal sites, like, mm-hmm. like, um, Guilt group or what which ones did you use? Like Zulily, yeah. For example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we we're like, ooh, let's bring this information and let's pre- present this to the fashion industry in LA. And we had different panel experts, like people who were selling directly to consumers on their own website. We had a wholesale expert. Mina was the Amazon expert. I kind of let it. I feel like there was someone else. Social media, we, maybe. Maybe. But do you know what we called that first panel and training? It was called multi-stream machine. So the very first thing her and I ever conceived together and we taught in real life was multi-stream machine. And we we're teaching the fashion industry that you could be on multiple sales channels to sell more. 
And after that, we sold our first mastermind before we were ever a business. And that was in October, 2017 and kick off to January, 2018. We're like, we like to talk. Nobody's talking to product entrepreneurs. Mm -hmm. Let's start a podcast. And then that was really what led us to the Product Boss podcast and cut to, you don't know how many years later, we're like a four years later. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And we really just made it what we made it because the thing is, we look, we really saw that we were experts in different things and we could actually help people. And we now fast forward it even just four years, we, we have tens of that. I think maybe like 40,000 people in our, that have gone through our courses and challenges. We have so many masterminders. We've made people millions of dollars. We started off making ourselves, you know, um, multiple six figures. When we met each other, we we're multiple six figures. Now we've, you know, we've both made millions of dollars, but we've also helped other people make millions and millions of dollars. And I want to say that because it's crazy the impact that you make and the, you know, kind of thinking of like, I never thought I'd even, I'm not an Amazon expert, but I have a real deep love for business and for impacting people's lives and for them having that similar love for business as well. Same with Jacqueline, right? Same small business, product business. And I think that that's what we bring to the table is we really show people who start out of their living rooms, just like we did, how to make something from nothing. And in, in, in a physical product sense, because we both have been there. We both have figured it out. We're not, we don't know everything about everything, but we know a lot about a lot of things and we know how to bring people together. Yeah. And I think, and in that and sharing our entrepreneurial journeys with you, you can see that we were both in our twenties and we were entrepreneurial pretty early. And we had this ability to come up with ideas and execute on them and come up with them. But as we share our story, I want you to hear that like, we've done a lot in our lives and they've shifted and changed. And even today where we're at is something that four or five years ago, her and I would have never said, yeah, we're going to be podcasters and Mm -hmm. course creators and a media company ultimately. But our journeys led us to here and the things that we learned. And if we didn't try things, if we didn't take risks, if we if we, if she didn't if say we yes didn't share to our story, me, yeah. If, if, if Mina didn't say, yes, I will help you. She didn't reach her hand out and pull me up. Then who knows? I would have, I would have still had 2000 cuffs in my basement. <laughs> I mean, who knows? Right. And, and we wouldn't have been able to impact as many lives as we had. So we wanted to really just kind of share with you our journey. So you kind of got to know us a bit more. This is actually more in depth than we've ever really gotten on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we're just so glad you're all here and that you've gone through these years with us and we can't wait for, you know, several more. And as we continue to help you on your entrepreneurial journeys. So thank you for being with us today. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. 
And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. This episode is brought to you by the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge and Small Business Shopping Directory. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. So head to shop1in5.com to take the pledge. And friend, while you are there, check out and shop from hundreds of small businesses in the Small Business Shopping Directory. It's the go-to directory to discover, support, and shop small businesses all in one place. Head to shop1in5.com.